0: This episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade will be discussing Highlander 2 The Quickening, starring Sean Connery, Virginia Madsen, and Christopher Lambert.
1: Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow C.C. Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found.
2: Greetings, Highlander. I'm MacLeod, and I cannot die.
3: I'm Louise Marcus from Flagstaff, Arizona. Say
0: hey, goodbye, I'm Why are you going somewhere?
3: This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 84. This is Brandon, and as always, with me is your co-hoster, live from Zeist, Cullen is the sky orange or is it blue stick around and find out (laughs) today we are here to discuss both skies from the 1991 film highlander 2 the quickening as well as highlander 2 the renegade version cullen tell us how there can only be two highlanders
0: future Highlander Connor McLeod
3: must prevent the destruction
0: of Earth under an anti-ozone shield as an evil figure from his long-forgotten past to wreak more havoc on his newly restored immortal life.
3: Highlander 2 The Quickening is directed by Russell McCauhey and stars Christopher Lambert, Virginia Madsen, Michael Ironside, John C. McGinley, and Sean Connery, which if you're in America, apparently for a while it was Christopher Lambert. They didn't tell trailer guys it was <laughs> But This was uh, his first movie that he was in. <laughs> right. Welcome back to Colston and Cavalcade. We're celebrating three years of this stupid little show with you guys. Right, Cullen? Yes.
0: I don't think it's stupid or little. I, th- I think it's smart and
3: grand. Oh, sorry. I was reading the memo from our producer, Brad Shoemaker. But um, no, we have a- fun show that I love doing and it's another, I'd say another highly successful year for our show. Taking big steps. Something, something new leaps every year.
0: We have a YouTube channel now. Yeah, we can uh, watch our riffs. We've got more coming up, just a matter of having the time to do it, and uh, we're, we're, we're making we're making time, so expect more
3: of that. We'll get fuel in that fire. Go watch the old ones again. Come up with classic lines. Make a shirt. Send it to us. We like it. I enjoy the riffs, and we yes, there are more coming. They're on our time. <laughs> we give you the show <laughs> when we promise. The riffs are a nice surprise when you get them. Just enjoy that, and maybe more will come, too. We've got- more stuff planned for you as we keep going. We we enjoy the show, or um, still Indie PopCon's TV film podcast that they like to uh, reluctantly choose as the best. But,
0: uh... We're like the Karate Kid. We're the best around. Yes. We've had a wonderful amount of guests, many new faces, some old faces that have not been with us for a while, and I'm looking forward to getting some... Uh... <laughs>
3: Get some new meat on this show. Right. We've had Lil Kev from Always Sunny on. We've Todd Farmer. We just had Sarah Priebus from HQ Trivia. I mean, reaching out. And we get our, our good old friends back, too, like Troy Brownfield and, you know, Aaron Newth and stuff. And you know what's great I like about our guest, Cullen? What's that? There's no real egos that come around here, you know? It's. Ba-ba-da, ba-ba-da, ba-ba-da.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, hey. Hey, guys. Hi.
3: We have a guest this week? Uh, no, I, uh, Jessica Osman, hello.
1: Thanks for having me.
3: Did you watch Highlander 2, The Quickening? And, uh, you wanna discuss?
1: Uh, no, I did not.
3: Well, have you seen it
0: before and just maybe you wanna throw in some thoughts?
1: No, I was uh thinking maybe I could just hang out for a bit.
3: Oh, we're flattered, but that's not really how it works. Okay, well, I saw on your social
1: media post that I'm tied for the most guest appearances, and you really can't have a tie, you know. They really, they really can only be one. So here I am, seven, seven times now. You can mark that down.
0: I'm not sure that it counts.
3: No, it counts. Yeah. Uh, I marked uh, seven, Brandon. Yeah. Uh,
1: I want to hear that pencil lead scratch that paper. M- marked. Oh yay! Thanks. Because you know there can only be one. That's actually been on the most. So. Huh. Bye, guys. Have a great show. Okay.
3: Well, uh, that was Jessica Alsman. Um, like I said, uh, no no not, egos around here.
0: I'm not sure how she interrupted the show, but that kind of goes along with uh, the movie that we watched. I'm not sure how
3: they pulled off some of the things that they did either. Right. So Highlander 2, the quickening up front, this is considered not just one of the worst sequels of all time, but one of the worst films of all time, too. The first Highlander, It wasn't a big hit in the U.S. It was kind of an also-ran from Canon Films. It became a cult film here. But go outside the U.S., go overseas, massive hit. It was big time overseas. So when you're like, why'd Highlander get another one? Why does Highlander get a television series? Why did Highlander get a cartoon? Because it was (laughs) huge overseas.
0: A movie about immortal people chopping each other's heads off. Got where, a
3: cartoon. <laughs> where there could be only one, which ends in there being one, there could be more. till it stops being profitable. I get the TV series idea. It's a popular property globally. And at that time, you had the syndicated shows like Baywatch, Star Trek The Next Generation, where you could sell globally and someone here is going to buy it. And you could retell the Highlander stories through an episodic thing. It makes sense. You know, there could be only one. Well- This season, there's bad guys, he'll constantly meet them, and he'll never get to be the one as long as we can keep the show going. Okay, sure, and you have flashbacks, you can play around with eras, bottle episodes, whatever. Okay, fine. This movie, the people who made it didn't even think they were going to make another one. They would have liked to back then, but they're like, okay. But foreign distributors, bonders, or whatever, apparently said, hey... We'll give you all the money you want. Will you make us another Highlander? And they're like, okay, we'd love to. That's that's great. Lambert's back. Connery was just going to be a small cameo, which I'm guessing was just the beginning stuff. But the investor's like, uh-uh, Connery's in this damn thing, or we're not he doing was, it.
0: He was paid $3.5 million for nine days of
3: work. But yeah, it's like, uh, you guys realize we, we killed him last time. That was- that was it. We'll just keep him in. No, they wanted him. Like there was some say early on. Like we were like, oh, we want him all through there. So if something seems a little bit off, weird, that's kind of why they weren't planning on that. So I could see him working while we'll talk about the segment a little bit and my thoughts on it. You're like, okay, that's that's why he's here. But is it better that Connery's here? Does it help? Uh, the answer is no, Brandon. <laughs> He didn't need to be in this movie at all,
0: as a matter of fact. (laughs) One of the reasons he was in it is because Christopher Lambert wouldn't do it unless Sean Connery (laughs) was in it. I'm not taking the fall alone. That's right. (laughs) Well, I think he just liked him, but it turns out that, yes, it was a good idea just to spread that around to other people as well.
3: They did. They were really fun together in the first film. But Connery, even in the first film, doesn't make it to the, the modern day stuff. But the first film has a better structure where it goes back and forth between the past and the present. But this movie, they went to Argentina. They had a great time fucking making it. I mean, they talk like no other about Argentina. And most of the people in this movie are like, oh, I visit there now once a year because of that Highlander 2 trip. So they had a good fucking time. They got back from Argentina to the U.S. to work on post-production. And they get back to find out the bonding people had fired their whole editing staff. Said, give it to our guys. And uh, bye. See ya. To, like, the director. To everybody.
0: Insurance company. Took it over and decided, no, this is how we're going to make the money.
3: They hadn't seen the dailies or anything like that. They just, okay, we want this movie made. And what happened was they decided, well, we're not going to give them time to do what they want. We just want to edit this and get it in a theater as fast as possible and probably to have as many showings as possible. So 90-minute runtime, no reshoots done, nothing, just there you go. Well, the inflation
0: in Argentina skyrocketed during this time. That was part of the reason that this company grabbed it and took it over, because they wanted to chug it out as quickly as possible before the inflation got any worse.
3: Yeah, so then we wound up Highlander 2 came out. Nobody liked it. Nobody. (laughs) And it was doomed. It went on home video. And it came out on VHS and... It was never seen again, the theatrical cut, unless you had the VHS. I'm not sure. Maybe, I don't know about Laserdisc or anything else or like a TV version, but rumor has it the TV version of this movie showed some scenes that weren't in that cut. There was an international cut, which we will not be talking about today. We will will brush on that ending of it. That one, We've watched this movie enough times. That one, and it. that one you can only get as bootlegs from like conventions and stuff. But that one was eight minutes longer, had a different structure. Many claimed was still bad, but better than what we got, which, let's talk about what we got. <laughs> the first time around. Following the events of the first Highlander, apparently, um where everything was happy, the ozone layer depletes, and we start this movie in 1999, where Connor McLeod and a guy named Alan Naaman have crafted a a shield to protect the Earth from harmful UV damage. It's a success, and now the world has a red sky over it. Keep in mind, red sky, because we'll talk about blue skies later, and we then cut 25 years from then, and McLeod is old, and the world's just gone to shit because it's got a red fucking sky, and things are going downhill. It's just scummy. It's that scary downtown feeling we always talk about in movies a lot. It's this is what the world is. <laughs> yeah, the whole world is just scary, big
0: city downtown.
3: Yeah, Connor McLeod gives a voiceover, and he's like, The
0: cure is worse than the disease. His voice in this whole movie is comical, but there's one line that is especially ridiculous. He says, "Go, 25 years ago, it was our savior. And he's talking about, you know, the shield. He sounds like Ren from Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> 25 years ago, it was our savior. This is a few minutes into the movie. Try to remember, like... You watch the first Highlander, there's that awesome queen song that kicks in yes. like this movie's gonna fucking rock and this <laughs> it, it goes from that to some kind of like bullshit future stuff and yes. then Like, what is this fucking movie? Like like then you realize they're making a Highlander movie, right? What exactly the fuck am I yeah, watching? Like,
3: like, wait, Connor McLeod I knew he was an immortal, but I didn't know he's like some sort of brilliant scientist to like Put up a shield on the atmosphere.
0: Apparently, he had time between the events of the last movie and this one to get his degree in (laughs) super science. I mean, whatever the hell he did. I mean, like. You know, be able to be part of this team.
3: A lot has happened since the first one. And I mean, a lot has apparently happened (laughs) since the first one. Connor McCloud, he's an old geezer now. He goes to the opera. By the way,
0: the opera sign, neon. Yeah. What? (laughs) What? Yeah. What? It's,
3: it's not a diner, it's the fucking opera, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, maybe since the earth is pitch black every day, they're like, well, let's get some neons out there. Get the <laughs> is opera going. To get
0: people's attention. Yeah. Uh, opera, get your opera here.
3: Something about the opera gets Connor reflecting and here's Ramirez's voice, you know, Sean Connery from the last one who has head chopped off, <laughs> saying, "Remember, Highlander." And we get a flashback. So the planet Zeist 500 years ago. Yeah, so Ramirez is there. I don't know. It's a desert planet. Some shit's going on. There's a general katana that this group is a resistance against, and Ramirez picks Connor McLeod to feel the quickening and lead the resistance against general katana, and then they dip their hands in some yellow shit, and the, like, electricity happens, and he's like, it's the quickening, and they're apparently bonded together. <laughs>
0: And by the way, that's the only explanation we get for the quickening in either versions of this movie. Like, okay, so it's like lightning juice that you share or what?
3: Yep. <laughs> so they go to battle General Katana and fail fucking horribly. McCloud and Ramirez are captured. Ramirez meets General Katana in a sewer that's apparently as doubles as a cell. <laughs> they go before these two priests in this trial...
0: I mean, we assume they're priests. We don't know. They're just three people that are standing with lights uh, hitting them. Yes. And-
3: I only yeah. found they were priests by reading about stuff. They referred uh, like- to him as priests, and I said, okay, sure. <laughs> well-,
0: <laughs> well, that might explain some other stuff, like why they don't fight on holy ground. That could have been helpful information to us. <laughs>
3: yeah, that... Oh, wow. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Katana, played by Michael Ironside, who's absolutely loving being in this movie.
0: I read that he hated the movie. (laughs) And I said, like, everyone hated it. But, like, he decided that because he... One of the few times he had played like an over the top bad guy that he was going to do it as over the top as possible to be the most memorable thing in this shitty, shitty movie.
3: Congratulations. You did go over the top.
0: This movie is remembered for that and Christopher Lambert's accent.
3: Katana wants them dead. They're like, hey, it's rebellion, they're gonna be punishable to death, but the priests are like, No, 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 no. We're going to send them to Earth, where they will be reborn and part of a tournament to to the Highlander tournament basically. Will
4: we be together? Well, not at first. But we are joined in a way that can never be broken. Not even by death. When you need me, you'll only have to call my name.
2: I'll always find you. If I win the prize, I'll be back. Just remember the quickening. It sounds like magic.
0: Oh, it is.
3: Kind of. Sorry, the writers are retconning the fuck out of the first movie, but here we go. And <laughs> sends him to Earth. And then I guess the first movie happens. <laughs> or as right. as, as Mira says, just remember to say my name. It's what your mother said, Trebek. Uh, but...
0: <laughs> their, their punishment for rebellion is immortality. Got
3: it. <laughs> there was a line in the script which... Yeah, I have seen the script. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why they cut it. The priests explain on Zeist, you're getting banished to Earth, and just so you know, one year on Earth is equivalent to a day on Zeist. so you're practically immortal there. That makes some cool sense, right? So they're not actually immortal, it just time works differently for them. Yeah, well, that was never explained in the actual yeah. movie we saw, so... Forgot to mention, but before they shoot to Earth, the winner of the Highlander tournament will also be given a choice to be mortal, grow old, and die on Earth. Or come back to Zeist and have everything forgiven and be able to live out their life there.
0: Yeah, so the choice is be immortal until your head gets chopped off. <laughs> and if your head doesn't get chopped off, then you'll just die of old age. Like, just kill him now. What's the? Just get
3: it over with. Then he wakes at the opera, having this memory, and I, dude, old man Lambert is, like, his voice. Okay,
2: Mr. (laughs) McLeod. The show is over.
1: I thought so, too, Charlie. I really did. I really did.
3: He, like, talks to, (laughs) he talks to the, the the usher at the opera house, this old guy, like, they're old pals. I thought so, too. (laughs) I thought so too, Charlie. Oh, my God. This is, this is a horrible performance.
0: Like, are he's... you trying to be Marlon Brando? I mean, what what are you trying to pull off here, Lambert? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We... By the way, the, the flashback that he has, nothing triggers it. It just happens. He just starts thinking about Ramirez, and then he just remembers, wait a minute, I'm an alien. Yeah, because when they go, they forget, right? Right, but a memory like that you would think after being alive for five hundred years and never remembering it. And then something would trigger it like no, he just I guess just being bored at the opera, his mind wandered. (laughs) And he's like, I wonder what Ramirez is up to. Oh, he's dead. Oh wait, I'm an alien.
3: Back in twenty twenty four, we meet up with Louise Marcus, who runs a terrorist group, and they bust into the SHIELD building, which is the December unit or something, which guess what? That makes no sense. Like, why is it December? What's all this? Because cut from any version of this film, there are twelve shield units bases keeping the shield afloat. They're all mm-hmm. named after after months of the year. The one we focus on in this movie is December. That would be erased in further versions, but that's why it's called December. And then later on, McGinley's character would mention something about an August facility. But they decided not to keep any of that stuff in there because that might make sense. Louise Marcus and her group infiltrate the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation, the December unit. She finds out that the the radiation levels are normal and fine above, and the jig is up and they get chased out of there. And then we go back to Zeist, and Katana decides McCloud shouldn't be allowed to return to Zeist ever because he wanted him dead. Even
0: though if he just waited mccloud would have been dead apparently
3: until he's on his deathbed he's allowed to return to zeist (laughs) how which clearly he's gonna die clearly but but somebody's fucking impatient so he sends his henchmen corda and reno to the dumbest fucking things to earth
0: it's not important what their names are they're the porcupine brothers that's what they and, are. And let's and one, call them back.
3: And one laughs like he thinks he's in some children's fairy tale movie. These guys are like the hyenas
0: from The Lion King, but dumber. Yeah. Not only are their characters dumber, they look dumber because they're these, they're like porcupine men for some well, they look fucking like, reason. Like, they never like winged given
3: porcupines.
0: It's not enough that these guys are aliens. Like, let's make them look like porcupines as well. Just for kicks. Oh, and have him fly around, because why not? Let's make the movie as weird as
3: possible. And not a goddamn thing in this movie yet, or till the end, ever makes me feel like going like, man, yeah, this is Highlander. This feels oh, yeah. like no, Highlander. not at all. It, it, never! Like, there's swords. Christopher <laughs> Lambert's in it. Sean Connery shows up in his old costume. There's a Queen song in it. There, th- there's a Queen song in it? And then there's like an a, a orchestral version of another. And the other one, the other movie, okay, because we'll go right here. So after he sends them, McCloud goes to this bar and he hits the jukebox to play A Kind of Magic, which was the closing song from the last movie, which is nice. And a lot of times they will crutch themselves on uh, who wants to live forever, an orchestral version of that. But part of what I like now as an adult, watching the first Highlander, is how much the Queen music drives that movie, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's its own character. It's a part of that movie. I think the original Highlander is one of the best montages I've ever seen, maybe in a movie, and the biggest help of that is Who Wants to Live Forever by Queen. It just really mm-hmm. works. Maybe it's because I got a soft spot for the Queen stuff, but I really like, there's a montage that goes back through Connor McCloud's life with a lot of stuff in that movie, and it's just, it works beautifully with that Queen song, and Queen also was, like, involved in the score for that movie, mm-hmm. and it just, Feels a part of it. This is just like oh, he's playing a Queen song.
0: Yeah, it's he just literally plays it in a jukebox in a bar somewhere, and it doesn't match the tone of the movie at all. No, like It's kind of magic. Like it's kind of upbeat and kind of fun. It's it's it feels like it should be maybe, maybe be part of a montage or something. And this is just just some old guy puts the music on and he watches the news in a bar. It should be just elevator music, you know, just something mm-hmm. that doesn't draw attention to it. Something like literally in the background, right? This upbeat, fun song.
3: If it would have been in a different moment than in like bar like this, if he's playing something to realize his best days are behind him and he just wants, you know, something like that. This doesn't translate that way at all. It's like he
0: went into the bar and put on a dance magic dance from Labyrinth, yeah, and then just (laughs) sat down and just enjoyed it. (laughs) Yes, it's like that's a great song, but
3: why is it happening now? Right. If they're going to go, I mean, Queen, obviously, at this time, not available. They, they should have found some other band from that time or something to kind of drive the thematic. Because that's what the first one was. It was like music and score by Queen. Like, fucking yeah. awesome. This was just like hodgepodge. St- I mean, granted, maybe they, they didn't get their way, but I, I don't think even in their dream version of this movie, they were thinking that. But I I really think they should have had another band cement their own mark on the film.
0: That was another thing that just made it not feel like a Highlander movie.
3: But yeah, so he's in this bar. Of course, he knows the bartender. Some woman there recognizes him, giving him shit about the the shield.
0: (laughs) And she acts
3: the hell out of that scene. And She knows this is her big break, and she acts the hell out of it. the, The guys come to Earth from Zeiss, and she ends up like, Smashing a bottle on Connor McCloud and the bartender chases her out. And he notices his cut heels from it. He's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and it's
0: um, <laughs> an exact quote. <sighs>
3: he leaves and runs into Louise outside. She it wants. Just happens
0: h- to be out there.
3: She just comes down like a fire escape.
0: It's like, "Hey, she, Connor!" And she seems to know where he was. Like, were you looking for him, or what the she, fuck? How did?
3: She- well, she had when, that- when she changed, she had a thing in her pocket that said, find McCloud and have an address. But I doubt the address was The Bar.
0: Yeah, and also, where did she get that from?
3: No, yeah, we have no idea. So she, she wants his help. He's like, nah, nah helping you. And then he starts having spasms, and the two idiots show up and attack, and he's like, go hide in this dumpster. And he gets in a fight with one of them that leads to him fighting this one guy on a train and he pushes him off and the wheel of the train decapitates it and then the quickening shit happens and he electrified at this time <laughs> the other ones flying around and some guy some homeless guy's like hey man you got some change or something i got a light for a cigarette and he incinerates him it's like brutal and th-
0: that's one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's just so unnecessary. Right? <laughs> no, it just is. Some, just some red. Ra- like they could have cut it out. It, it would have been just fine. It would have. They would have lost nothing. Just. Some I mean, he already
3: he, he had already blown up a cop car. Like, jeez.
0: It's like we already know they're deadly. It's fine. We don't well, need this too. But just, yeah. hey, buddy, uh, got a light and <laughs> explodes. It's in both cuts of the movie. <laughs> Yes. Like, we
3: need this homeless man exploding no matter what. When the quickening happens, everything in the world blows up here. And then in the first one, it just made cars alarms go off and shit. But this one, everything blows up. And this tanker, fuel tanker, comes soaring through. And the guy shoots it, blows up around McCloud. And he comes out from the flames. A younger man He's back. And then he has a fight. Obviously, Back to the Future 2 was pretty popular then. So we have a hoverboard chase scene.
0: They actually had to redo the props to make it look less like a hoverboard.
3: They have this fight. Lambert starts throwing one-liners around. He ends up pulling a cable or something and decapitating the guy, and it gets more quickening, but I don't know what powers he wants from this guy, but uh, the tournament's back on. But
0: A love of life? I don't know.
3: During the second quickening thing, he screams for Ramirez, which when he was an old man, he was like, Ramirez, my friend. Ramirez, my friend. (laughs) And then apparently he needed to be younger to scream it out. He needs to scream it out like he's
0: ejaculating because that's what happens. He doesn't actually, you know, but he acts like he is.
3: And then Virginia Madsen's like, What's going on here? you looking good. <laughs> and he's, he pulls his Highlander line, which gets him laid every movie. He's like, I am Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. I'm immortal. I cannot die. Boning in the gross alley. And apparently she's into it.
0: Yeah, th- they've known each other for minutes.
3: And he made he look- her jump in a dumpster.
0: <sighs> Getting some of that sweet dumpster juice sex mixed in together. Mmm,
3: yeah. Highlander 2. Yes. And it's playing the Who Wants to Live Forever music, just like ruining it. I'm like, oh no, no.
4: It's
3: like even hiding in a
0: dumpster. I want your
3: hepatitis. Come to me. In Scotland, during a Shakespeare in the Park play Hamlet,
0: It's Hamlet, yeah.
3: Ramirez appears in the middle of the production, dressed as he was, and that's the exact spot apparently he was killed in the previous film. He's got this little humorous bit where the guys on stage are thrown off and then get pissed at him for just being honest, but he he notices he's in a play and exits. you, You say humorous, Brandon, but I wasn't laughing very much. No, I mean, it's... You've seen scenes like this before, and guess what? They don't work. It certainly does go on for five minutes. McLeod and Louise are now back at his place. During this time, Virginia Madsen just goes on to prove how convoluted this is.
4: Okay, now let me just see if I can get this straight. You're mortal there,
2: but you're immortal here until you kill all the guys from there who have come here, and then you're mortal here. Unless you go back there...
3: Or some more guys from there come here, in which case you become immortal here. Again.
2: Something like that.
3: Of course. It would be something like that, wouldn't it?
2: Quite a night.
3: Tell me about it. Think I do this every Saturday night? She says, just as confused as we are, and just as questioning of it as we are. And Lambert's like, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then we go back to Zeist, where Katana's just like, I'm... yep, fuck it. I'm going to Earth, too. And these guys just kind of decide to come to Earth. And you just jump to Earth.
0: Yeah, I think Katana, you actually see him get in something, but, like, the porcupine brothers, it's never explained. It's just like, they're there now.
3: Great. It's just like, it's just like a, a shot. It's like, boom. Yeah, they glow blue, and then they're on Earth. So he shows up at the scene of the gathering, the, the end of the first movie, then winds up on a subway and murders a bunch of people. He first just kills this dude who's watching a movie through his lens, like a Godzilla movie, right? Yeah, and we didn't uh, we find that out in the
0: Renegade. Oh, in the Okay, okay, okay. Otherwise it's just look like a like a shitty Borg guy.
3: Is what he looks like? Yeah, and then he looks at kids like, "Hey, yeah, you want to drive one? You ever want to drive one of these?" and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right." So he drives it and crashes it and makes a play on like, "Ha ha ha, look at me. I'm evil." <laughs> Ramirez goes around town learning of things. Obviously, in the future, he walks around and goes to a tailor, and his earring is enough to pay for a new suit and for a plane ticket to go find McLeod. And- thank
0: goodness we had this scene, right, Brandon? Because right. The, movie, the movie was moving too quickly. We needed just five minutes where we just watched
3: Sean Connery mm-hmm. get a suit. We get to see Ramirez and Katana just living it up in their new environments. McCloud goes to a church where, if you notice, they don't they don't bring it to attention to a later cut, but it's his wife from the last movie, her grave, but it's in a church. And Katana confronts him. He has to remind McCloud that they can't fight because they're in a church. But McCloud's also like, "Hey, dumbass, I was gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> McCloud goes home to his apartment. He's talking with Louise who had gone through his stuff earlier we'd seen like a picture of his wife and him through time which included the hilarious apparently he played college football way back in the day and we have a voiceover letting us confirm that with Christopher Lambert calling out football plays that just so funny. The only
0: way it could have been better is if he did it in his old man voice.
3: <laughs> Charlie, on one, two. <laughs> uh, so uh, she's asking him about his all his wives, the girls from the last movie that we met. And, and then something happens in the apartment. A shadowy figure attacks Connor McCloud. It's Ramirez. And uh, they joke around about stuff while trying to spar each other some sword fighting and then he meets virginia madsen and ramirez becomes sean connery in every sean connery 90s movie
2: it's nice to see that some things have actually improved over the years
1: is this private
2: not necessarily this is juan sanchez villalobos ramirez my old friend and teacher visiting from scotland visiting most unexpectedly from scotland this is louise marcus watch it she's wanted by the police I didn't realize the police had such good taste.
3: We also, during this time, we meet David Blake, who we haven't talked about, but he runs the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation. He knows shit's fine up top, but he's trying to make money. We haven't mentioned him because he hasn't come into the movie yet. Right? We saw
0: like a still of him on a TV, and that was it. Up yeah, to this point. it's
3: John C. McGinley. He's like uh, the bad guy B, Earthbound bad guy. We're like over halfway through this movie, and he's just now showing up. Yeah, he's having a meeting, saying, "Oh, we we got things under control, or whatever." And then Katana shows up. He has him shot. He gets up. And he kills the shooting guy, which I'll give him this. It's pretty pretty cool death. But Katana oh, he, does the guy. Opens his mouth yeah, he completely. His
0: jaw open and then breaks the guy's neck, I don't know, five times, and then
3: just throws him down. He goes to Blake and he's like, oh, you need a partner. And Blake's like, yep, you know what? I need a partner. This was in front of not just Blake, but an entire boardroom of people.
0: They witnessed a man being shot, coming back to life, and then murdering someone in front of their face. No one screams, no one runs. They just sit there and enjoy the murder.
3: He goes to Alan Naiman, you remember, the guy who helped put the shield up with Connor McLeod and he has him arrested to which Louise then finds out and's like, Hey, we gotta do this shut down the shield thing and 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 Alan, he's been captured and whatever at the Max, which is not the the place to save by the Bell <sighs> kids eat. It's a prison. Ramirez is like, let's do this. So they go there and Ramirez and Connor McLeod pull up to the like the drive through window of the Max and like Hassle the guy and then decide to do their plan, which is to drive straight through the place as far as they can. And they get shot the hell up. Which I'll give it that's <laughs> kind of humorous. So these immortal guys just getting shot the hell up. And there's a lot of money on screen during this with squibs and stuff. And so they get shot up. The security pulls up, sees them dead. Virginia Madsen is in the trunk, apparently didn't get hit by one bullet. I know. Like, what?
0: <laughs> there's no protection on her. She put a lot of faith in these guys. To believe that only they would be shot. They're like, oh, they're only going to shoot the cabin. They're only going to shoot this car that's traveling at let's say 40 miles an hour through this place. Yeah. Somehow they'll only shoot the cabin.
3: In the doctor's office, Virginia Madison's getting checked out, she's got some cuts and bruises. The two come to life after the doctor proclaims them dead. They knock everybody out, put on some max gear, and they head off the split up, down some tunnels, and they wind up in a diabolical trap set by Blake, which is this fan that lowers to them. And then Ramirez has some sort of magical power where he can raise it up for a little bit and unlock doors for them to escape. They do, and he dies again.
0: This is the only thing he does in the whole movie. Yep. Brandon, can you name one other important, productive thing that Ramirez does through the entirety of this movie, other than this scene? None.
3: But this yeah. is it. This is it. This is his, we couldn't have thought of something else. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, you brought him back to kill him again. But, I mean, if right. they're thinking part three because he's like, well, I see you again. He's like, who knows, Highlander? Gives that wink. Who knows? He's like, did you wink? He goes, I don't know. And he winks again. He's like, wait, did you? You're winking, aren't you? He goes, maybe I am. And winks. And he's like, wait, <laughs> does that wink mean you're not coming out of the movie? He goes, we'll have to see. And winks again. Now, he doesn't really do that, but that's about what it felt <laughs> I like. I well have done it. He dies. Him and Virginia Madsen leave, and then they like stop and come back. They're like, no, no, I want to see this motherfucker die. And they come back and like watch yeah. him die.
0: <laughs> yeah. What, what, which, by the way, more than enough time for Sean Connery just to walk through that open door. He pushed yeah. it up enough; he could have just walked away. Like, no, no, I'll just evaporate underneath it.
3: The this yeah. giant murder I, fan. They they go through this tunnel shit shooting. Then while. Louise shoots and holds off guys. Connor confronts Katana, and they fight, and they fight some more. He falls down this <laughs> elevator, and they fight. Well, before this, Katana kills Blake for, like, disobeying him. He grabs him by the nuts and throws him out a window. And then yeah. he goes up to the top of this place and is like, Connor McLeod, I'm waiting for you! They they fight and they fight. They falls down the elevator shaft. Then they get by the, the energy beam for the shield. And, you know, it's funny. Ramirez mentions the whole time. He's like, yeah, they'll need both of you to defeat the shield. So he ends up fighting katana to the shield and he throws katana's hands to the shield which stuns him and then he decapitates katana Katana. virginia madison sits in the corner like i saw what you did and he's like yeah and so he quickens and then he goes and stands in the beam for the shield and then it just all blows up the shield's gone and you can see the stars in the sky they were right everything's fine and then Him and Virginia Madsen look at each other, laugh, and then we get a freeze frame on Connor McCloud. Like, ain't that some shit? And (sighs) Ramirez is like, remember Highlander? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm still wondering, like, what was Louise for? Like, you said you needed both. Did we just need a witness? Well, I guess she was there, like, to hold off those guards
0: so they wouldn't attack McCloud when he was fighting Katana. I guess that's the only... That is. That's the only thing that she does when they're inside the facility, right? That's the only productive thing she does. Yeah. That's why she was in the back of (laughs) that car, so she could hold off the guards eventually.
3: And I like, she picked up an outfit, but not like when when they first left. When they first left the doctor's office, they were dressed in shit, and she wasn't. And then somewhere along the line, she changed clothes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. She didn't get bullet holes you know, all through her body. I don't know why she had to to change.
3: God. And also,
0: McCloud gives her that semi-automatic rifle to fight off the other guys. Like, hey, here, person who's never fired a weapon as far as I know, it's up to you now to protect me. I gotta go shut this beam off, I guess.
3: Before this, I had seen Highlander 2 The Quickening one time. I rented it on VHS Back in the early '90s, probably '92-ish or so, I hated it, and I never went back until now. I never even watched the rented gay cut, even though I was curious. It was like one of those things, like I want to see that sometime, and it wasn't until now that I could see it. But going back to watch the theatrical, this I was like, maybe it's. I mean, it's probably bad, but maybe it's not. Ed's no, it's this is a fucking mess.
0: Yeah. After I watched the theatrical cut, I texted you and I said, I watched that whole movie. I couldn't tell you what happened.
3: I didn't know what Katana wanted. (laughs) Well, it's so stupid. he wants
0: McCloud dead when he just would have died of old age anyway. And how is he even watching him? We don't ever see him monitoring McCloud to know what the hell he's up to, to even know if he even won the, the Highlander contest, or whatever you want to call it. He just knows somehow. Everyone in this movie just seems to kind of know what's already happened previously.
3: When I first saw this movie, the one thing I mainly remember this movie was the moment they started that Zeist bullshit and retconning the original movie. I was like, I was... <laughs> It was going to take a lot to get me back and they never did.
0: No, the only things I remembered from this movie. Literally, the only things I remember are the, the, the orange shield stuff in the sky and the porcupine brothers fight. That is it. <laughs> I remember nothing else about this movie.
3: I remember watching I was like Zai stuff I like all oh, fuck this. Well, no the, the
0: the, the stuff I do remember them being Aliens. I remember yes. that.
3: The makers have blamed fandom by being like, Yeah, if your first one, they're like, How are these guys immortals? Why are they where they come from? What's all this? So they made this movie and put that in there to explain it, but they I was have I never that. I never asked that in the first movie. I just accepted what was going on. I was yeah, like, Okay, just, well this is a fantasy story, so fantastical right. things exist. Mystical shit. That's what I chalked it
0: up to and I moved on with my life they metachlorians this that's what they did oh yeah oh the Mm -hmm. alien shit like that doesn't help anything it's just a bunch of useless exposition
3: yeah and this is before like people were getting exposition heavy with shit this is yeah this is the oh my gosh oh enough of this useless banter
4: i shall be on my way and leave you to converse with your scum farewell dear shithead
3: now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. We're going to rate this one, the theatrical cut, first before moving on to the renegade cut to see how they stack up against each other. So our options are as follows. Stay with their family, which means, why don't you stay on Zeist, Katana? Don't go to Earth. Converted, which means you're down with TSC. You... You buy into the, the whole shield thing. You're fine with it. Or drinking the Kool-Aid, which means you're part of the terrorist organization. You want to bring down that shield. So, Cullen, how do you rate the theatrical cut of Highlander 2, The Quickening?
0: I don't know whether you folks gathered this or not, but this movie's <laughs> a mess. And it's not the, the the fun kind of mess. It's just just bad. It's just all bad. There is... It's great when you can find something redeemable with a movie that's not great, but there isn't. It's all garbage. (laughs) It's all dog shit. It should've been called Highlander 2 Dog Shit. Bad idea. Like, a lot of this can be blamed on that insurance company taking over control. Sure, a lot of that can be attributed to them. I mean, it was so bad that the director wanted his name removed from it. But there's still just a foundation of shit where them being from a different planet That was part of the original script. You can't argue a major thing like that was just like, oh, that was influence. Like, no, that was the original (laughs) intent of this movie. So just from the start, it's just not a Highlander movie. Don't watch this thing. Spend time with your family. Go on a walk. Don't watch this movie. I stay with my family. Brandon, how do you rate Highlander 2, The Quickening, The Theatrical Cut?
3: Yeah, no surprise stay with the family this is a major disaster the only fascination with it is just that it's a complete disaster and you you can take people's word for it it's incomprehensible I was lost so many times I I told Cullen at the start of the movie I kept having to stop and rewind thinking did I doze off did I miss something and then I had to stop myself and remember no this thing is incompetent and just a, a mess and just structurally bad things just why do they make no choice? Lambert's bad in it. I mean, he's pretty good in the first one. I don't think he's, like, fantastic, but he's, he's service bully he works. You, you think of the Highlander, you think of Christopher Lambert in that movie, and this is just bad. Connery shouldn't be there. There's just stupid stuff all over the place. None of the action's good. And, and in this version, it makes no goddamn sense a lot of the times. It's awful. Coming back to it after all these years, and, and a lot of things I knew about from this is from... A, watching this cut multiple damn times, and B, doing some research so I could explain to you people the hell's going on with the theatrical cut of Highlander. Bad, bad, bad. I mean, this is a disaster beyond... I mean, is this a disaster beyond Exorcist 2 proportions?
0: Uh, It's shorter, it's
3: shorter, but goddamn, nothing made me think Highlander, there was at least some things I was like, eh, maybe, but I mean, it's in that, it's in that parade. We laughed at some Lambertisms through this one, so I guess we had mm-hmm. that. But this hangs with The Exorcist too, I would say. Uh, like, if there's a classification yeah. for what kind of bad movie are you? A, a
0: bad movie that isn't even fun to watch. It, like, it, it's it's in that category. It's in that, that kind d- of competition between those two.
3: It doesn't understand. The first, what was good about the first one, or where to go with it. I'll give it this: it's nothing like the first one. Well done, you didn't copy yourself, but shit. <laughs> same with Exorcist two. You were nothing like the first yeah. one. But you know what? The Exorcist two at least wasn't made by the same people who made the first one.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That is the the one compliment that you can give it:
0: that it didn't repeat the first movie. They made a different movie. Unfortunately, it didn't feel like a Highlander movie at all. We'll be back in just a moment.
4: Hi, I'm Tom LaBree and this is Night Comfort, brought to you by LaBree's Waterbeds. We're always here with some pretty good movies and some easy conversation. As I've said before, fall is one of my favorite times of the year. It was in October of 76 that we began sponsoring the all-night movies here on TV Forty. So this time is special to all of us at LaBree's. In that time, we've shown thousands of movies and we've grown from one small store to three major showrooms in Sacramento, Stockton, and Pleasant Hill. And we continue to give you the best of Night Comfort for your bedroom. Watch this. LaBreeze Waterbeds presents hot savings for the cool nights of fall. The Autumn Oak Room Group with six-drawer dresser, landscape mirror, and two-drawer dresser, just $3.99. The Autumn Four-Poster Waterbed with Country Charm is only $2.49. The convenience of soft-sided flotation begins at only $1.99, and no payments and no interest till 1987. The leaves are falling, and so are the prices
3: at LaBreeze. So now we'll move on to the... Hot... Hello. Aaron Newworth, uh welcome back. So guys, this most guest appearances thing you posted, I'm a legit six. You sure are. Now let's talk about something. I've been here since the beginning. Do live episodes count? Especially live episodes
4: that you don't release?
0: Uh, y- yes, they do. It happened. People showed up.
3: But did it happen? I wouldn't know. For an audio program, I've only seen photos. Aaron, do you want us to mark a seven for this appearance right now? But we. Do you want us to mark a seven for this one, Aaron? Really? Sure. And you want to stay and talk about Highlander 2? Hell no. But guys. Yes? There can only be one, and it's
0: me. (laughs) He has no idea he's still tied, does he?
3: Nope. Now, we'll talk about the renegade version of Highlander (laughs) 2. The people who made this film, of course, were unhappy with that version and felt there was a good version of this movie that they weren't allowed to put out. So, getting their footage back, putting it together in the order they wanted, redoing some effects, they even shot a new sequence. 4 years, this is 4 years later, they shot a new sequence and got some new voiceovers, took out some things. It's a completely redone movie this is what shocked me there's a car chase in this one cullen mm-hmm. that was a reshoot four years later they they to to make for this version how did they get virginia madsen to agree to come back for that <sighs> yeah no shit i get lambert ironside right. will do it but her i'd have been like fuck off no <laughs> yeah i can't believe
0: like, that that happened like I couldn't tell the difference between the original movie and that sequence. I didn't, had zero idea that it was new. And good on or, them, right? I guess that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But there was stuff in the original version that didn't make sense that is a little bit better now. For instance, the end fight scene of the last movie was actually two fight scenes. We'll get on that. But like, that's something. The order oh, yeah. of things mm-hmm. is different. Here in this one, we get some text. start the film that tells us the year is 2024 pollution destroys the ozone layer an electric magnetic shield protects earth a group believes the ozone has repaired itself many are not sure no one really knows though and we open up at the opera with mcleod already there and you know what i kind of like about this opening it's already improved right here and it's not the same but it's reminiscent of the opening of the first movie where he's at Mm -hmm. a wrestling match and he's a young guy at a wrestling match and winds up in a Highlander battle in the parking garage of the arena, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. This, he's an old man at the opera, and he didn't get into a battle after it. And that's kind of what I was I was like, okay, right. they match no, up it, a little better. No, it immediately
0: feels more like a Highlander movie, just from the start. Even even if you're not thinking about how it is Like parallel to the original movie. It feels a little more mysterious, you know? Mm -hmm. It it doesn't smack you right in the face with, oh yeah, by the way, aliens. Like, fucking what?
3: (laughs) Connor uh via a program that there's a Dr. Alan Naiman of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation in attendance, and he, he takes his binoculars, and he sees the guy, which this guy was in the beginning of the first one and showed up later, but we never really got an importance of him. Mm-hmm. Like, we, oh, he knows Connor McLeod and then he got arrested.
0: Well, and it says the name of the company right in the program as well, whereas before we didn't get it until, I didn't even know that was like a significant thing. I thought that was like yeah. the name of a news network, which I didn't yeah. realize it was the actual the name of the company that runs all the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Mm-hmm, which yeah. Which takes on a completely different weight to it in this film.
3: And they got rid of the whole December unit. They just call them S.H.I.E.L.D. company, corporation units or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're actually different places than other places. It's going to be fine, folks. Stick around. We get the Ramirez flashback, you know, calling him that's the same, but it's not Zeist anymore. It's just a long time ago. Which, Which, I okay, you're not fixing that. You heard complaints and changed it because like you said, Cullen, that was in the script.
0: And when when they said that it was just in the distant past, even though it's ridiculous that it's in the distant past and they have all this, you know, advanced technology or, or whatever. I heard that, like, you know what? Fine, I'm in. That makes more sense to me. It does have some a-
3: questions. Where's this technology coming from? <laughs> Y'all got time travel?
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: they have that in the past. like whatever. It was
0: Some it was fine. some of
3: the some of the stuff, i like the the armor and stuff, I'm like this looks al- oh, you know what? cooler than zeist. <laughs> I'll take it. I agree. They do the thing where they they touch fingers or whatever, but they don't call it the quickening. That line is dropped. Everything about Zeist is dropped. I don't think the word quickening
0: is used in this movie at all. Nope. It's been dropped. Seems weird. What with it being the title of your film?
3: (sighs) The, The same shit happens, but the priest guys then now tell him they're going to the future. And, and the tournament will happen.
0: It's the exact same premise, except instead of going to a different planet, they just go to the future. It's the
3: exact same. But he can go back to the past if he wants, in this one, instead of back to Zeist. <laughs> By wishing, I guess? Never explained. Nope. Now we get Connor driving the streets, which was at the beginning of the original, so he sees the filthy mm-hmm. streets, and he goes to call his buddy Naaman, and he's not accepting calls, and then the punks try to hold him up. Hey, Grandpa! Got some
4: change for the oxygen machine? Hey, hey, you cheap fuck. You deaf or what? You. You're McLeod, aren't you? So what? Yeah,
2: right. So what? Okay, okay. Come on. We're out of here. Let's
0: go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't bother this old man. <laughs> like who? What, what do they care? So- you're a gang. You're scum. Mug them. Do whatever. But they're all intimidated by him because...
3: Eh? Is this is because wrong? of who he is? Like, Maybe he was like, man, what? this guy don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> and that guy's old as hell. He's tough. Like, you don't know who should have. Been. You know that he created this thing that everyone hates. That's it.
3: So we have the shield control scene where Louise and her gang break in and find out radiation levels are normal. McLeod goes to that nightclub again. Katana calls the two idiots up to go to the future and kill him so he doesn't come back. We, yeah, we have pretty much same thing happen here. We learn on TV about Louise's group, Cobalt, who is taking down the shield. Um, Connor mentions that she's a pretty girl <laughs> on the thing. Yeah. Uh, Sex we sh- are
0: good because of that old voice.
3: <laughs> How fucking
0: sexist is that? It's this leader of this freedom group, whatever, and then his reaction isn't, you know, like, oh man, are we safe or Impress- impressive? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that, oh man. Sh- her and her group broke into this facility, and you know, got past all those guards. Although, to be fair, some of those guards literally were looking the other way. So apparently, the plan of Cobalt was: let's zip line down this dam and wait for the guards to look the other way, so they won't see us. Mm-hmm. And so she
3: does all this, and his reaction is:
0: "That's a pretty girl. Like, no, oh, fuck
3: you, dude." <laughs> We have the same thing happen where he gets attacked by Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and he screams for Ramirez. The shield we might mention is blue in this version. Yes. And that
0: makes it a lot more aesthetically pleasing.
3: So they said they shot a ton of footage to have this blue sky work like this. They were able to do it with computer animation later when they, because they revisited it twice. They, Mm -hmm. They did it once in the 90s, and then once... In the OOS, when they could do computer effects, the things they wanted. But the red sky was done by the other group, and they ditched a shitload of footage they did for this. But they said blue was supposed to be a simulated sky, not just shit red.
0: Well, and it doesn't make any sense because uh, you know it's a, it's eternal night there, basically on Earth now with the, with the shield being up. And is that like that orange or red glow or whatever going on all the time? The streets never look orange. There's no orange tint. When they're outside, ever right? But with like a, a blue sky, like it just looks like night, and like okay, that makes some kind of sense. They just there's so much in the movie, it just makes it look. The 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 town is lit like shitty Gotham City, and it looks that way too. So
3: right, it, it, it's very it's it's <sighs> it's of that yeah, it's of like it's Gotham City, it's Blade Runner. They've got a lot of money put in these sets. I'll give them this. There's production value all over the place in the sets. They've got that, but they can't film it right a lot of the times. And But I, I will say, that there's a lot of money spent, and you can see it. I will give it that.
0: All, all $30 million spent on that $15 million return.
3: <laughs> Ramirez returns, where we saw him last time. Luis finds young Connor again, and they once again have dirty alley sex after his uh, I'm an immortal line. But it, it's longer? Yeah, and it has the Who Wants to Live Forever, which it didn't before. Yeah, it's,
0: but before, it's kind of, in the theatrical cut, I wasn't really sure if they were having sex, like maybe they're just making out, whatever, in this one, no, he raw dogs her in a dirty alley.
3: Yeah, y- you see I, think, like, I think they kind of insinuate that he's like pulling it out, right? Uh, Yeah. I, th- I think there's like a motion he does where I'm like, oh. Yeah, he, and he, like, lifts up her skirt. You can see, like, all the way up her
0: thigh, like, and they're, like, oh, my God, they're... And keep in mind, folks, they've known each other for minutes. I wouldn't even say ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. And they're already <gasps> banging in a dirty alley. <gasps> gross. Minutes before, she saw him as an old man, but now he is balls deep in her. <sighs> I don't understand the future, Brandon.
3: Not this one, no. We cut... Th- instantly to her at the apartment asking about how convoluted the past plot is and the highlander thing and then ramirez does his taylor thing louise asks connor in this one if he's ever seen a blue sky before have you ever seen a blue sky sure
2: what was it like it was it was the deepest blue you ever saw but it was more than White clouds suddenly turning dark with rain. Oh. <sighs> and the smell of grass after the storm. Red leaves in fall, snow in winter. It was beautiful. thought it would last forever. <sighs> I wish you could have seen it. So do I. I'd like to. Just once before I die
3: and he describes it, and she says she'd love to see it just once before she dies. In the past, Katana watches video clips of his guys failing, says, well, uh, you want something done? You got to do it yourself. We Then we get a commercial of the psychic cook, which wasn't in the previous one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wrote down in huge letters, psychic cook. mean It's the best part of the movie.
3: Right. That was pretty funny. This is where he does the subway thing. He drives it, killing everybody off the rails.
0: uh uh, brandon can can you answer a question for me sure uh, why did katana do this why did he he lands on a a train and just decides i'm gonna drive it faster than is possible because it goes over it's like over 500 miles an hour right
3: uh yeah
0: it looks like a shitty shitty music video (laughs) oh no it does because there's that th- this hard metal playing and, and the camera's, like, zooming around, all the people screaming, and people are flying to the back of the train, and there's sparks. We haven't really gone into this as much as I think that we should. Sparks. Yep. Fucking everywhere. Anytime there's any kind of action in this movie, sparks. When uh, swords meet, sparks. When shit blows up, sparks. And when, when I say when stuff blows up, I don't... Mi- mean like oh there's like flames like no there's just sparks the the sparks budget in this movie had to be a third of the fucking movie it is ridiculous
3: It's like the concept for some, like, bad, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, Megadeth video or something. Where it's like, oh, look, Megadeth is driving the subway. It's going crazy. (laughs) People are not just scared of the music. They're scared of the subway ride. That's right. There's
0: there's sparks and lightning firing out of it. Like, what the How the fuck is any of this happening? Does he use magic? I mean, what the fuck is happening in this scene, Brandon?
3: Yeah. uh and this guy, this this katana guy. I mean, we go from the Kurgan in the last one, played by Clancy Brown, and like that's a to me is an iconic role. That dude scared me when I was a kid, and I watched that movie. He was mm-hmm. fucking scary. I actually thought maybe Connor McLeod loses this. This guy's so scary. I always look back and like, man, the Kurgan was one scary motherfucker. He was is a great role. Clancy Brown nailed it. He had jokes, but they were like the kind that just made him scarier. This guy just fuck him. Like you're annoying.
0: Yeah, he he is just, he's impatient and just stupid. He couldn't just wait, like, in either cut of this movie, McCloud is either on a different planet or in a different time period. If he's in a different time period, then your civilization is already done, so what the fuck does it matter if he comes back (laughs) or if he stays in the future? You short-sighted fucking idiot. You're still in charge.
3: Why are you going to the future to kill him? Just and from wait. And from what I see, he has a monitor that he can watch everything. Yeah. And, if, and he can zap there in two seconds. So if Connor McCloud was like, man, I'm going to tap out. I'm not going to die. I'm going to go back. He could zap there and be like, the fuck you are, and cut his head off.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. At least in this one, Katana is monitoring McCloud to see what's going on. Like, okay, somehow they have some kind of way to monitor the future fine whatever in the other in the theatrical version there's none of that he doesn't monitor mcleod at all he just seems to know that the porcupine brothers failed so that's why he got like how the fuck does he know any of this information oh. one one last thing about the train when he crashes it <laughs> through a fucking wall he opens the door and he looks into the camera and yeah yeah no he less, does he says, last stop. Who were you talking to? <laughs> Who were you making oh, these, w- these witty remarks? Like, if he just said it to himself, okay, fine. But he looks right into the fucking camera. <laughs> like, he's looking at someone. And he gives a big stupid smile, and then the scene's over. Th- this is not the movie to break the fourth wall, okay? <laughs> it
3: just isn't. <laughs> no. And if you're going to do it, at least let it be Lambert, because out of that character in this movie, I'd expect it.
0: Well, he does it earlier in the movie when he's thinking about being on planet Zeiss, which is now the the past in this movie, uh, uh, R- R- Ramirez, you know, he says, that's your leader there. And, you know, everyone like separates and they all look, look at McCloud and McCloud. He slowly turns and he has this, he almost looks like Dr. Evil because he has this look <laughs> in his, this cheeky look in his face. Like, Ooh, me, I'm your leader. If I have to like, and he looks right into the camera for a moment, making that face. <laughs> they didn't do another cut what the <laughs> fuck
1: With come
3: on why not me guys uh, <laughs> Connor McCloud goes to the shield corporation to visit his friend Naaman and this guy has purpose now they then remember the day they launched the shield so the opening scene for the last movie is now later on here which I'm fine with I kind of didn't need it at all because it doesn't do anything other than like go yep that was the day they launched the shield yeah,
0: we do get to see another what? shot of, like, when they're they're shooting the, the all the shield stuff. One, it feels like it's a Godzilla movie, all right? And yeah. two, that miniature that they have over the shield shoots up. It looks like this Battlestar Business Park, Gotham City, Town Hall. Ugh. And it also shoots lasers.
3: Naaman reveals to Connor that the radiation levels on the shield are normal. And if you go above the shield, you can see it for yourself. Naaman gives coordinates as to where he could do that. Blake the guy in charge, played by John C. McGinley, who, if you're wondering why he's weird in this movie, he was trying to play this part as Orson Welles.
0: <laughs> Which does not come across at all. No, it's real weird,
3: but it's very McGinley still. But he's been watching the whole time and intrudes on their meeting and he takes Neiman away for some business. Connor makes mention that the shield may be unnecessary if ozone, the ozone fixes itself.
2: Oh, by the way, how is the shield business?
4: Never better must be great to have every country in the world as your customer. Actually, Mr. McCloud, we prefer to think that we protect the population of the planet from death by solar radiation. It is a rather unique service, don't you agree? As long as it's necessary. Meaning? Maybe one day the ozone layer will repair itself. That would indeed be a great day for the human race, wouldn't it? But it really makes no difference anymore. Since you built the shield to last forever,
2: nothing lasts forever.
3: (laughs) We then have Katana, he takes a cab to a building with a zany cab driver. This was in the last movie too, but he then tries to tell him to stop by punching the window and then going crazy, and the cab dude's losing his shit. Well, he's he's super into it. He's
0: like, yeah, man, you're awesome. You and my sister, man, you got to get together and... (laughs) Compare tattoos, man! Like, he's, like, super into it. But then, once he starts breaking... Because he... uh, Katana already broke his windshield. That he's all about. But when he breaks the headlights, that's when he gets scared, apparently. Which is which I didn't notice this the first time. I, I'm not sure if it's like this in the theatrical cut. I assume it is. It looks like to be the exact same scene. But you've got the voiceover of the cabbie being super into it. But the guy in the car is, like, thrashing around and, like, you know, talking on his headset, clearly upset. But the audio is of him being like, Yeah, man, super! This is amazing! I don't know what they were trying to accomplish here. Uh, like, how he's all into it and then is immediately flitched. Like, oh, wait, well, th- my headlights. Well, that's that's the line. Don't break my headlights. That's when I get concerned. Never <sighs> mind the giant broadsword that fired past my ear to break the windshield. No, no, <laughs> headlights. Headlights are the line.
3: Ramirez is on the plane at this point heading off, hitting on women and stuff, and he watches this horrifying training video plane crashing, which is up there with the psychic cook guy kind of thing, that style. I don't know why they would
0: show a safety video in the middle of the flight instead right. of the beginning, but whatever.
3: Yeah, that was really, I was like that too. I was like, wait, why are they showing, they've been in the air, this is like the third cutaway we've had to this on the plane. But Yeah, well, like in the other version, it
0: was just like all one big kind of chunk of this dumb shit that they just faded between stuff, whereas they just kind of spaced it out just so you're wouldn't forget that sean connery was in this movie i had hoped that they had just were just going to show like look he made it to the plane and that's it you know and then like yeah. okay the next thing you see he's in america and that would have been fine but no they got to show all this stupid interstitial stuff I would
3: even bought if they returned sean connery and it was just like he was in america already i would have taken that <laughs> because oh he's in proximity to conner when he called him that's fine that
0: would have been fine too because they never explain it so it could have been Anywhere.
3: Mm-hmm. Katana now, remember the, the, the part towards the end of the last movie where it's like, I'm waiting for you, McCloud? That happens now. And <laughs> makes a lot more sense. This is a back and forth between... Ramirez and Katana at this time. And then at the building, this is where Connor's by his wife's grave and we get a flashback of her dying because of the UV ray poison of the ozone depletion. And she makes him promise to do something to stop it all, which makes sense as to why he's involved with the damn shield. And we reveal, as we pull back, we see she's in a room with like a shitload of people dying from this. Yes, that
0: shows a lot more weight. Uh, that I think that was one of the good additions to this movie.
3: We fade into Connor by her grave and Katana confronts him. Connor per- points out how <laughs> stupid he is for all this cuz he was ready to die. He's stupid. <laughs> the
0: the the movie points out how stupid the movie is.
3: Twice. Twice you got the Virginia Madsen scene and then you got the this one where Connor McCloud's like, "Hey, idiot." Yeah. And and also <sighs> we were trying to we were trying to end this franchise. What are you doing? <laughs>
0: Katana, Katana was on top of a building yelling for McCloud, so it, it doesn't seem like he knows how to find him. And then, or wait the, for him. I'm wait. waiting for you, McCloud. And then the next time we see him, he's just like, ah, "I'm here." Like, what? Why didn't I'm he why go be did that like? Happen?
3: Didn't you hear me yelling at you from the top of the building? <laughs> and this is also the scene where
0: they're about to fight, but then Katana says, "Like, oh no, it's holy ground. We can't, we, we can't fight here." Okay, here's the thing. In the original theatrical cut of this movie, they're aliens. So, why the fuck would they care about holy grounds at
3: all? Right, yeah.
0: At least this one's like, all right, well, they're the same planet, so it's a little better. It felt less stupid to
3: me. Right, you know, he says, he like pisses Connor off being like, you know, I like this place, it might stay, and uh, tells him, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, if you don't use it, it's gonna rust. And then he like disappears. Like, Connor blinks and he's gone. (laughs)
0: It's like, all right, well, glad that scene happened. Like, that cemetery scene, like, I, I guess when you put the flashback of Connor's wife covered in burns, I guess it's better to have that scene. But in the theatrical cut, like, why was it even there? They yeah. don't fight. Like, he already knows that he's on the planet, right? So why do they need to do this?
3: This is now where Louise wanders Connor's home and finds all the belongings with that great football moment. On three, right, right. This is a little longer. There's more pictures and diaries she finds. And then Connor winds up coming upon an abandoned building that is just empty except for pigeons flying everywhere. And a body flies down at him from above, like way high up, and it's hung by the neck. And it's the cab driver. And it wasn't oh, that who that was? It wasn't until, like, watch four that I picked up on that.
0: I just thought it was just some guy that worked in this building. It's a I cab driver. I had no driver. idea who that yeah. was. Cab driver. Yeah, because you just see this body flying from, I don't know, let's say eight stories up, screaming, and then he just gets, you know. I thought
3: you'd think it's a katana coming to attack him from above. And no, it's just a guy right. hanging. He's hanging. Well, th- that would
0: match with katana's strategy for the rest of the movie, which is being stupid. It would make sense that he would just jump and scream (laughs) and announce his presence.
3: From high above, he likes to do that. Connor takes the stairs with his sword drawn, and then Katana attacks, and they have a duel, which ends in Katana sending Connor flying down on top of an elevator down a shaft and crashing to the ground. Again, more sparks. So many sparks. And this was part of the final battle In the previous cut of the movie they mix these together this part was in the last movie but not in the same context at all Mm -hmm. and connor then pops all his bones back into place and returns home which it was a brief thing in that one this one he like pops them all back into place before leaving this is where louise asks about the wives and then that's where ramirez jumps out at him and they have a duel and
2: watch it watch what watch what the sculpture that's a sculpture no you are being ridiculous
3: he introduces Vermeers to louise again so then we have blake confronting Naaman and telling him he knows everything that happened because his computer prints everything in his office he accuses him of being a traitor and tells him that they have a fabulous place for traitors. and this is funny because this is a little bit more embellished this scene And now the scene following it came before it in the last one where he's assuring his group at the meeting that Cobalt's no longer a problem. And that he's taking care of things as traitors like Naaman here, which this scene happens before in the last one. This is where Katana shows up and they shoot him and he kills the guy. And Katana Mm. says a weird line that I'm like, no way. I know you've been on Earth a little bit, but he says, this is no way to treat your number one draft choice. Right, right. What do they have drafts over there on in the past? Like
0: he's he's been monitoring McLeod um, this whole time, so he knows all about his sports history.
3: And he's like big Knicks fan, apparently. This uh, <laughs> katana, so he likes. Ramirez questions Connor why he would create the shield, and then they plan to seek out the system failure at the coordinates given by Naaman, who Louise then tells them has been put in the max. So a little more depth to that they do their drive-in thing at the facility to which, which Connery tells him hit it dude <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, a, a great improvement over the last one I think because I think he says like, hit it McLeod and it's just not as fun but for whatever reason it, it makes me laugh that he says dude in this movie it's
3: just it, it, it's a thing where they make Sean Connery because Sean Connery saying something that was normal would sound funny right. like remember you're the man now dog Right. Yeah, no, you're, that's exactly it. He'd always have one of those. Mm-hmm. This is where they appear dead. Louise is in the trunk, and then they come back to life in the emergency room area thing, taking the security office. This, they split up in tunnels to find Naaman here, and Connor and Louise go, and they're just like, yo, you can go by yourself, Ramirez. They find him, and he gives the coordinates so they can see for themselves that the sky is good, and he mentions that they did the right thing to build it, and Naaman dies.
0: He gives them the coordinates so they'll go above the shield, right? But that's what those coordinates are that he's giving them.
3: Yes. The original coordinates he gave was like of a system failure. And then Blake and Katana are listening into this whole thing, and he assures Katana that nobody gets out of the max, and when Connor and Louise meet up with Ramirez, we have the uh, locked in the room with the fan scene, and ramirez doing the same thing as he did before winking sacrificing himself and
0: what what is the point of of that room brandon
3: don't (laughs) know it's a trap
0: that giant fan like that room is for nothing other than killing people because there's just a giant fan that slowly (laughs) lowers down what other reason would that room exist other than to kill people
3: Katana says it's showtime and he takes off and Connor and Louise take a truck and head out and they run over Katana on their way out, but he's latched on and attacks them as they drive through the mountains. Connor and Katana fight atop the truck and Connor manages to knock him off of it. They pull off and find their way to the shields, the ceiling through a tunnel with a ladder and energy beams wildly shooting at them. And also, it's does OSHA not exist in the future? There are sparks-
0: (laughs) <laughs> and, like, like lightning firing back and forth through this tunnel that can only be, like, it's the only way to, you know, get through this area to get to,
3: to, to the top. And I just thought, like, this is terrible safety regulations on this. They wind up atop a mountain just above the shield, and they see the sky is blue with clouds and the ozone itself. Louise is smitten by it, like, oh, it's, it's a moment of beauty to see See, uh,
0: that's where they should have raw dogged. That would have been fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's Fun- romantic and, I don't know romantic,
3: but it's better than Crime Alley. Yes. <laughs> Conceiving Catwoman. <laughs> Blake is telling Katana he has no idea where they are. They disappeared 24 hours ago, so like a day's passed. <laughs> And it feels like seconds, but a day's passed. He's freaking out about Connor getting the coordinates from Naaman and figuring it out about the ozone layer and that the company will be doomed. Then he blames Katana for fucking up, and this is where Katana grabs him by the balls and throws him out the window. Which, which makes me wonder, why did Katana team up with Blake?
0: Uh, like, in either version, I don't understand why he comes in and I think you know, he's, wedges I think his he's, way in.
3: I want to say like he researched... Or he knows what was important to Connor McCloud. or something about the shield, and he knew he was against it. And I'm not saying this is in the movie, it's like, but exactly. I'm saying like he knew that would be the place to find McCloud was coming after, and that would be the place to piss him off or something like that.
0: If they just showed us. Any information on how he knew that I would have been fine, but instead he just strolls He's,
3: up. He'd been watching videos up till that point. <sighs> I'm not saying know, I'm not saying it's good. I can draw that, but it's not there. He because he just literally shows up at the shield place.
0: You don't even see him walk through the building or the front door or anything. He it's just the boardroom, and then Katana just walks
3: in. I'm not saying it's logical or it's there. I'm saying I can create steps to go, all right, I guess you could say that. I'm not saying they did. I'm not saying it makes sense. That's all I was trying to do there. (laughs) Sure, sure.
0: The the movie doesn't do it. No. I just, yeah, I wish the
3: filmmakers would have done that. That would have been great. And in the other version, it's fucking worse. Yes. So somehow Connor is at the heart of the shield already at this point, and he's confronted by Katana. But <sighs> Exactly. But they, somehow. But this one, the Max... And the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation are clearly two different places. They felt like one place in the last one, didn't they? Oh, Absolutely they did. Like I, I th- didn't know I thought it difference. was. I thought it was too, but they're two different places. So they begin their duel. This is the half of the final battle from the other one. Connor wins, of course, by cutting off Katana's head saying, There can be only one. He absorbs him. Louise, who in this one has done nothing right now but show up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, she was in the back of that car for no reason. She endangered her life for no reason. She doesn't get the, the the rifle to shoot the guards. I think the most of what she does inside this facility is look at Connor after the, the, the fight's over.
3: And so now we're in the renegade version, so when Ramirez says, we're going to need you both, we're going to know, right? We're going to know what she... Nope, because Connor just does the same thing. He stands inside, which apparently we're supposed to take from this, that when he absorbs... Cause you know how shit just blows up all around. Oh, I know. So apparently that's what's supposed to be happening when he steps in, but that's not what they show us. Like he immediately like absorbs him, and then he walks in, and none of that blow up shit happens. Like why? And and he takes like five minutes after he cuts his head off and that happens before going. Why didn't he just immediately jump in as the electricity started and everything blew up? And I'd be like, I get it. I had to like look up what the fuck, why the fuck him standing in there <laughs> blows it up. Right. And, and why he lives. Like
0: exactly because he's killed the, the the last of these people, so he should be mortal again, right? right? So standing in a giant beam of energy should kill him, but it doesn't. And like you said, it's not like he does this as he's gaining the power. He's done. He's been yeah. done for minutes, and then he strolls into it. Like, no, you should be
3: fucking dead. Like, the only thing that should blow up is him. Because now he's mortal. That's it. The, 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 it's over. He does that. It blows up. The st- The stars are there again. But now, after they look at the stars smiling, they walk away from the show base. They're like far away, and they kiss, and we hear some words of wisdom from Ramirez, and we get a pan up from Earth to the stars, and that's it. That's the end of the Renegade cut. Now- the Italian cut, remember Zeist is a thing in the Italian cut, and this is the biggest difference. While McLeod is in the beam, he makes pasta with Alfredo, and then he goes to Louise and says he's decided to go back to Zeist and would like her to come with him, and she says sure, and they beam back to Zeist, and that's the end. The fandom calls it the fairy tale ending, but this one, they stay here on Earth so she can actually see blue skies and stuff. Yep, that's the renegade version of. Highlander 2 expands on things, changes some structure, changes some details.
0: We still don't understand how Ramirez summons the full measure of life to stop a giant fan. Some questions are left unanswered. Like, why is uh, bagpipe music
3: constantly playing in Scotland? <laughs> yes. And why is Amazing Grace Ramirez's theme song is this license free that's
1: why there are some people in this world who know when to stop and some people who don't which kind are you
3: now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we're doing it again since we're doing the renegade cut of highlander have things improved will you stay with your family which means no i I'd, I'd just not down with any form of Highlander 2. Are you converted? This was fine, they, they improved it enough. Or drinking the Kool-Aid, yes, it was so much better. There was a good movie hiding here all along in Highlander 2. Cullen, how do you rate Highlander 2, the renegade version?
0: This movie had cars blowing up, crutch trauma, a whole shitload of sparks, and it still wasn't enough. This movie is dumb, And even the movie points out how dumb it is. Twice. (laughs) It is. It's better than the theatrical cut, but it's still just fucking awful. That tells you how bad the theatrical cut is. That there was. It was improved here, and it's still a train wreck. It makes a little more sense, but it's still just a plate of spaghetti. Just a fucking mess. Yeah, I just. Oh, my God. I, I I can't imagine telling anyone, yeah, let's throw this in and watch it. Like I would do that to people I hate. I would do that. But otherwise, no. I stay with my family on Highlander 2, the renegade cut. Brandon, how do you rate the renegade cut of Highlander 2?
3: It's nice that the filmmakers and, and, and people involved were able to get the film out there that, that they wanted people to see. It's allowed to breathe a little bit more. Things are a bit more fluid for this for this movie but it essentially is still the same movie <laughs> It's fundamentally bad on paper already. Despite having things make a little bit more sense and expanding upon things, like giving a little bit more detail as to why some things are happening, it's, it's still a bad idea on paper. It's still not good. I don't like the retcons. Future, past, Zeist, whatever, I don't like that. I was fine with it just being what it was. I mean, this is, it's not good. It, they have improved it. Congratulations, filmmakers, through all your hard work, through reshooting stuff, through recutting it, through adding new effects, through going back years later, adding digital effects, making this movie work. You've improved it from F to D minus. Congrats. That's still not passing and might as well be failing. High Anarchy 2 is bad. Like For some reason, I'm like, poor Virginia Madsen. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just felt, like, bad for her. I'm like, I think she... You know, it's like, well, like, I'm on my ride, I'm like, oh, a big sequel to that popular Highlander movie. Cool. And then this. And then she has to come back for reshoots four years later. And I feel like this kind of maybe, like, derailed wherever she was going. I mean, she would have Candyman later, but that was, like, very a very low-level underground movie. I feel like she was on a rise, and this one... This clipped it. Yeah. Well, she
0: auditioned for the female lead in the first Highlander, but she didn't get that part. So okay, that makes it even worse that she didn't get that part. It's like, all right, well, you know, I'm in the sequel, that's cool. And then it turns out to be this fucking just mess of a movie.
3: Because like Lambert, like this is it for him, like Highlander, we know that. Um, It's funny, like there's a lot of people where you're like, why is their name above the title on my VHS tape, like, what's up with a Christopher... Because he's an international star. Like, he does sell for international markets, and it's because of the Highlander movies. But, I mean, essentially, he's a B-movie star. Ironside, he always gets work. He's just being hammy here. Connery, sorry, dude, but <laughs> hope you enjoy your new kitchen or something. But McGinley, just doing character work. But just, I don't know. They're just This movie's it's so bad. It's, it, I, I watched it a lot for this, and I just could not find much every time. I haven't seen Highlander 3 in a lot of years but they did a better job than this and, I, and I'll and i stand by it without having revisited it. but that one have you seen Highlander 3 Cullen?
0: Uh, I saw it in the theaters when it came out I've not seen it since
3: I like the concept they have there of keeping this going where you know like there, there was a guy who got caught in some frozen tundra and there's an excavation that unfreezes him and guess what the tournament's back on Right. All right, fine. Fine. That's a way to keep it going. And Mario Van Peoples is like a Genghis Khan type guy. That's fine. Not saying it's a greater up through the first one, but I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way to keep it going. Fine. Uh the fourth one, fuck that. Um <laughs> There where they meshed the TV and the movie versions, and they clearly are very biased on the TV show, and it looks like a TV show episode. You know, I watched a couple episodes of the TV show; it's fine. I kind of like Adrian Paul, but I don't know if you're gonna do the movie thing and you're gonna treat Baer like a punk, right. make am like I don't know. But it was, maybe it was a passing the torch thing. I never—they made a fifth one. Never saw it. The source—I think it was a straight-to-video movie. But, yeah, this is clearly the, the worst of the worst and one of the worst sequels like, ever in a bad movie in general.
0: There's just, just nothing redeemable about this movie.
3: No. And, I mean, I have a fascination with trying to, like, see things that are, like, terrible like this and, like, what went wrong and, like, all this. But, like, it's just... No, I, I did too much for this episode on this because there's nothing you can find. There's nothing fascinating about going back and seeing this this fire burn. Like, it's just... It's bad
0: here's an interesting fact the there's a credit in both versions of this movie for the documentary of uh, the making of Highlander 2. I've never seen oh. that before that it's crazy to me that it's not just something like hey, make sure to you know watch the making of like no, there's l- like a directed by credit for the making of this movie and like some other credits oh, in this movie. I've never seen that before. That's crazy. Which, which I can only imagine is like Hearts of Darkness. I mean, it it has to be with how much, how much fucked up stuff happened with this movie.
3: Oh wow!
4: Yeah, out of control. You and my sister, man, forget it.
1: I should introduce you to. You can sit around and compare tattoos or something. Man, you're crazy. What
3: next, man? On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Deathstalker 4, Match of the Titans from 1991. We'd like to thank you for always listening. To those who have been listening for all three of these years, I mean, anybody that listens, mentions our show to us in passing, uh, likes something, it means the world to us, really. We give you shit, but it makes it feel like, oh, okay, it's not going to dead air. We know our show's not going to dead air. We see numbers, but it's just like, okay, somebody I know has listened, so thanks. Colin, you got any memories from year three? Favorite moments? Well, I know my favorite thing about year three. Tom
4: LaBrie. What's it like just before Tom LeBrie comes on the set? First, we make sure the lighting is correct. We check the cameras to see they're working properly. The floor crew goes over the set to ensure that everything is there that's supposed to be. And the technical crew makes sure the microphone is okay. At this point, we tell Tom he's about to go in the air. Ten seconds to air! Our director tells everybody to get ready.
0: Please stand by. We're coming up.
4: Hi, I'm Tom LaBrie for LaBrie's Waterbed Warehouse with some pretty good movies and some easy conversation. We call this night comfort. If you're ever interested in a flotation system, come see us. We're the ones by the freeway at I-80 and El Camino. And we have to be good because we're in your bedroom.
3: We look forward to next time, but first stay tuned for the trailer to Deathstalker 4 Match of the Titans, the trailer that actually trails.
2: Enter a world of magic where a mysterious princess seeks the mightiest of warriors to lead her dark army into battle Out of a legend rides one man who carries an invincible sword Anytime you're ready Deathstalker The world's greatest hero joins forces with a beautiful woman. I'm always getting mixed up with princesses. A kingdom of hidden dangers where dark powers give rise to terrifying demons and brave men fight an awesome evil that seeks dominion over all. Where the might of the sword battles the magic of the sorcerer and around every corner waits a new adventure. Rick Hill and Maria Ford together in the number one best-selling fantasy adventure series of all time Deathstalker 4 Match of Titans
1: Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities and more information on cult cinema cavalcade contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com produced by brad shoemaker edited by brandon peters narration by rebecca peters theme song pink baby by happy elf appears courtesy of the free music archive.org network the film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Hi,
4: I'm Tom LaBrie and this has been brought to you by LaBrie's Waterbeds. And whether you've been with us most of the night or you have to get up early to go to work, thanks for watching. And remember, if you have trouble sleeping, come by and see us at LaBrie's Waterbeds. Always the home of night comfort.